Welcome to Working the Word with Jonathan Force. Join us now for a service already in progress at Lakewood Church of God. All right, grab your Bible and turn, please, to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11 and verse 6. And we're on a, on a series throughout the summer called Focus on the Family. And today, I want to spend some time talking to you about faith. I want to talk to you about faith, and I want to kind of teach and preach about faith and, and, and the, not, the, the name of this message is manifest, Manifestation Requires Faith Activation. So I want to teach this to you today. I want to talk to you about this today with this in mind, that those of us that learn have this stewardship responsibility to pass on that which God has given us to the generations that come along behind. I'm going to say this, and, and we'll pray here in just a moment, but I'm going to say this without fear or reservation or anything. I'm just going to speak it out there. One of the most valuable things that you can teach the people that you have influence over, your children, your grandchildren, the neighbor's kids or whatever, is how to live by faith. That's one of the most valuable things that you can teach them. Sometimes we teach them through words. Sometimes we teach them through example. Sometimes they learn through osmosis because they're around us as we actually live what we teach and what we preach. But that's one of the most valuable things that we can pass on to the next generation is faith and how to live by faith. So if you would please just grab the hand of the person beside you and join in agreement with me. We're going to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to teach through us today and open our understanding. Father God, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus and we thank you that we have the opportunity to be able to gather together in your name right here at Lakewood. I thank you for this church. I thank you for the people that are here today. Lord, I pray that your favor and your blessing would be upon them. But Lord, in the next few moments, I pray that Holy Spirit would teach through me. Teach through me, Holy Spirit. God, may the eyes of our understanding be enlightened. May our hearts be receptive. May we be able to receive into our spirit being the practical application of faith today so that when we leave this place, we will know what the Spirit was trying to teach us. Touch me to be able to minister with fluency and clarity and, and with great anointing. And Father, we give you praise for that in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Manifestation requires faith activation. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 6 is our springboard scripture this morning. And it says this, But without faith it is impossible... To please Him. Can, can somebody shout the word impossible? impossible? Impossible. This is what your Bible says. This is not what Pastor Jonathan is just saying. It's not something that I am uh, ascertaining or a conclusion that I'm coming to. It is right there in black and white. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that He first of all exists, and then secondly must believe that He is a, somebody shout it, rewarder. He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. So first of all, we've got to understand that the Bible says that one of the ways to please God is to have faith. And we draw that conclusion from the statement where the Bible says without faith, it's impossible 
to please God. Then we also have to come to the conclusion that we realize that God is. That God was, that God is, that God forever shall be. Whether the atheist, the agnostic believes it or not, that doesn't change the fact that God is existent, that God is omnipresent. That means that He is always present everywhere at all times. And then the thing that we many times just run past is the Bible says that we also must believe that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. How many of you could do with some rewards from God this morning? Can I see your hand? How many of you would like that? I like it when God rewards me. I like it when He says, good job or attaboy. I I enjoy that, don't you? And I, I think that God likes to do that. So manifestation requires faith activation. If I know that faith pleases God, if I know that without faith it's impossible to please God, if I know that I need to believe that He exists, and I also know that I need to believe that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him, then I need to learn the principles of faith. Now, we don't have time to get into it today. We'll probably deal with it next week. But in Romans chapter 3, we can find the laws of faith laid out. In other words, the way that faith works. But this morning, I want to talk about manifestation that requires faith activation. Now, you say, Pastor, you're using the word manifestation. That's a great big word. What is manifestation? Manifestation is the physical existence of something that you believed God for. The physical existence of something that you believed God for. In other words, you were believing God, you were working your faith, you were trusting God, and then all of a sudden, boom, there it is. Come on, high five your neighbor and say, whoop, there it is. Come on, let's have some fun with this this morning. Manifestation requires faith activation. I'll give you just a couple examples. I just This keeps coming to my mind. Some of you have heard the story, some of you haven't. Donna and I had not been married for very long. We'd been married about a year, year and a half probably. And uh, we got married in May. We found out that she was pregnant with t- twins in September. No, we got, I'm sorry, we got married in January. <laughs> Good thing I'm going to Miami tonight. That's all I got to say. We got married in January. We found out she was pregnant in September. And, the, and Nikki and Susie were born the following May, so a year and a half later. So we found out that she was pregnant. We knew that, that we had uh, kids on the way. We knew we had twins on the way. And uh, she was in Kentucky. This was sometime, I I can't even remember. It was before the girls were born, but she was pregnant. That's why she wasn't really traveling with me very much at the time. And uh, I was on the the road as a full-time evangelist. I did that for about eight years, a missionary evangelist. And so she was in Kentucky, and I was preaching a revival in a little church called uh, the uh, Sibawa Church of God in Sibawa, Michigan. It's an Indian name. It was a church out in the middle of a cornfield, literally. 
I mean, you went down this road and then you turned off on dirt road and you went down the dirt road and there was cornfields everywhere. I mean, on all four sides of you. And then cut out of the cornfield was this little church and, and a little fellowship hall and the little parking area and all of that kind of stuff. And then you just went past the church and you were back in cornfields again. So it was literally like someone said, okay, this is the middle of my cornfield and I want to give some property to a church in the middle of my cornfield. And that's exactly what happened. And so I was preaching revival there. God was moving. We were having a great time. Donna was down in Kentucky. And, and right before we went, I looked at Donna and I told her, I said, Donna, I said, we're going to have to pray that the Lord gives us a van to travel in because you're pregnant with some kids and we can't travel in this little car. You know, four of us, two of us and two little babies. We can't do that. So we sat down on our bed and we joined hands and we prayed and we asked God to give us a minivan. We did. We asked God for that. And so I got up and I left and I went to preach the revival. I'm preaching. We're having a great time. Friday rolls around. The revival's going good and we're going to take the, take the revival on. We used to do that back then. We'd go, you know, five weeks and six weeks. I mean, the power of God would get to moving and they wouldn't want to shut the revival down. And so uh, we were going to go on with the revival. And so that Friday rolls around and this man walks up to me and he says, Can you come outside for a minute? I said, Sure. And so I went outside and he said, what do you think about this? And there was this beautiful jet black 1988. Now, now you got to realize we got married in 1990. So that was almost brand new at the time. 1988 Aerostar Ford minivan. How many has ever, how many you remember those? Okay. Ford Aerostar minivan. And he had it open. He had the, the, the side door open and it had a beautiful gray interior and he said, how do you like that? I said, wow. I said, I've been preaching that God will bless you. I said, is this what God blessed you with this week? And he looked at me and grinned real big and he handed me the keys and the title. He said, no, God just blessed you with it. <laughs> Hallelujah. I got so excited, I jumped in that minivan. I looked, I had 35,000 miles on it. I jumped in that minivan and I said, I got to be back and preach tomorrow night. But I'm driving seven hours to Kentucky to get Donna and come back up here so we can both tell everybody thank you. And so I jumped in that minivan and that's when I could do that, Roger. I stayed up all night long. <laughs> I... I <laughs> I jumped in the minivan and I went down there and it was uh, early in the morning. I don't know, three or four o'clock in the morning. It was about seven hours away and I left about nine or ten o'clock. So I don't know how. Anyway, it was early in the morning. The sun wasn't up yet. And so I'm beating on the door and knocking on the door. And Donna's thinking, I, they're wondering what in the world. I said, Donna, come here, come here. I said, you got to see something. She's like, well, I said, come here, you got to see this. And she was at her mom and dad's place. And I said, you got to see what the Lord blessed us with. And she went outside and there it was. She said, wow. I said, yeah, God did it, didn't he? That's manifestation. That's manifestation. I am convinced to this day that we would have never received that blessing had we never sat on the edge of that bed, operated our faith, put our hands together, prayed the prayer of agreement, and got specific with what we wanted from God. I was 21 years old. I had been traveling for several years. At that time, it seemed like a lifetime. Really, it had only been about three or four years. But I'd been traveling by myself. And I'm driving down the road in my little 1984 Mercury Lynx. This was before the van. And I'd been driving down the road in my 1984 Mercury Lynx. 
And I was traveling all over Canada preaching to the Indians and doing missionary evangelism. And I had my guitar behind me and I'd play the guitar and sing. And we'd have revival and people get saved and healed and delivered and set free. And I started to get real lonely. And so I'm driving down the road and I started looking over at that passenger seat and it was just empty all the time. And I said, Lord, I want you to fill that seat with the five foot five to five foot six blonde-headed, blue-eyed, between 110 and 120 pound, beautiful young woman that has a background in business. You say you're shallow. Uh Uh-huh. Sure was. About three months later, I'm preaching a revival in a place called Lexington, Kentucky. Liberty Road, Church of God. The, the gifts of the Spirit are in operation. We've got this prayer line going. I'm praying for people. God is touching people and ministering to people. All of a sudden, I'm praying for this person. God gives me this vision. I'm kind of caught up in the Spirit, and I'm praying for them. And the Lord said, if you'll open your eyes, you'll see your wife. I went. <laughs> I was scared. I'm like, dear Lord. And I've done a little peek like that. Oh, hallelujah, God, I give you praise. Whoa, yes. Whoa, man. I mean, that's where, you know, women got their name. Adam saw Eve walking through the garden and said, whoa, man. And they've been called women ever since. So. I'm getting in trouble. I need to really get into the Word here. I'm just trying to give you some examples of manifestation that brings faith activation so I can give you the Word principles that we're talking about. And so, anyways, long story short, she was exactly what I had asked the Lord for. And that was November, and in January, we were married. I got specific with God. Manifestation requires faith activation. Now, let me say this. If it doesn't proceed from faith, I don't want it. Come on. If it doesn't proceed from faith, I don't want it. Why? Because if it doesn't come from faith, it comes from fear. And anything that fear produces will be bad for you in your life. In Romans chapter 14 and verse number 23, here's what the Bible said. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Now, what did the Bible just say? It just said, say it with me, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. So what that tells me is whatever does not originate from faith is sin, and that's why it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And the reason it's impossible to please God without faith is because if things do not originate from faith, then they are sin. So now I'm going to teach something that sounds a little bit harsh and some of you may agree with it and may not, but you can go home and you can open up the Word and you can test it if you want to and just study it. But this tells me that doubt is sin. This tells me that unbelief is sin. This tells me if I don't trust God and I don't believe God whatsoever is not of faith is sin. 
What is sin? Sin is a willful transgression against the law of God. I have to make a conscious choice to not believe God in order for God to not work in my life. I've made up my mind that I'm going to trust God, that I'm going to believe God. Romans chapter 4. Let's go to Romans chapter 4 and we're going to read verses uh, 13 through 16 there. Grab your Bible. Romans chapter 4. Let's get into word here. Romans chapter 4. I don't hear any pages. Maybe you guys are using your smartphones. Romans chapter 4 and verse number 13. Here's what the Bible says. For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. And I want you to understand something about this. The promise that Abraham should be the heir of the world was not through the law before the law was ever instituted. But it was through the righteousness of faith. Faith was active before the law of Moses was ever given. Faith was activated. Faith was active before the law of Moses was ever given. Now we go on. Verse number 14. For if they which are of the law be heirs... Faith is made void and the promise is made of none effect. How come? Because the law has flaws. Because the law has flaws. Look at verse number 15. Because the law worketh rash for where no law, wrath for where no law is, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith. What is of faith? Verse number 13. The promise. The promise. What is of faith? Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham who is the father of us all. That means that I'm included in the blessing of Abraham. I can find that in Galatians chapter 3. I'm an heir of God. I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. But I also have the blessing of Abraham, which is a blessing of prosperity, which is a blessing of favor, and I have it based on the law. And then the Bible says here, the promise is by faith that it might be by grace. Touch your neighbor and tell them, covenant blessings belong to covenant people. Come on. Now, now look, at your, look at the neighbor on the other side of you and tell them, covenant blessings belong to me. Covenant blessings belong to me. Why? Because we're covenant people. We're covenant people. God established covenant in the Garden of Eden. God reinforced covenant through the law. And then God established it for all of eternity throughout generations without end. 2,000 years ago on a hill called Calvary at Golgotha, He established covenant. And I am, I am connected to God because of the blood of Jesus. I am connected to God because of my position as a son of God and an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Therefore, the covenant that God made made with Abraham is on me because I receive it by faith. You have a right to have covenant blessing in your life. Covenant blessings belong to covenant people. The day you said, Lord, I want you to come into my heart. I want you to come into my life. The very day that you said that you became a covenant person. Now, (laughs) 
Faith, why do we need, why do we need faith? Because faith connects us to God. Faith connects covenant people to a covenant God. Satan tries to disconnect us from God by contaminating our understanding of the Word of God and the things that pertain to the Word of God. And that's why a little dabble do you is not good enough when it comes to your ingestion of the Word of God. You cannot expect to live an overcoming life if the only time you crack open the Word of God is Sunday morning and Wednesday night when you come to church. You can't. You need the Word of God in your life every single day. You need to spend 15 minutes a day, 20 minutes a day, 30 minutes a day in the Word of God. You can listen to Christian radio. You can listen to Christian music. You can do all of those things. But I'm talking about saying, okay, God, I'm reserving 15 minutes of my lunch break today. And I'm going to feed my physical self this sandwich. And then I'm going to feed my spiritual self the Word of God. And you get the Word of God inside of you. I'll guarantee you if you'll take 15 minutes out of your lunch break every day and just say, Lord, I'm giving this 15 minutes to you. It's completely yours. I'm going to read the Word of God. I'm going to focus on the Word of God. If you'll do that, I will guarantee you that for the rest of the day, your day will be completely different. It'll be completely different. Why? Because you just poured life into your spirit. Through the Word of God. So we need to be in the Word every day. Covenant blessings belong to covenant people. Now, 1 Peter chapter 5. And this is in the, um, in the Amplified. 1 Peter chapter 5. And we're going to read verses 5 through 9 here. Here's what the Bible says. It says, Likewise, you who are younger and of lesser rank, be subject to the elders, the ministers, and the spiritual guides of the church, giving them due respect and yielding to their counsel, Clothe or apron yourselves, all of you, with humility as the garb of a servant so that its covering cannot possibly be stripped from you with freedom from pride and arrogance toward one another. For God sets himself against the proud, the insolent, the overbearing, the disdainful, the presumptuous, the boastful. And he opposes, frustrates, and defeats them, but gives grace favor and blessing to the humble. Now we have a choice here. We can either be proud or we can be humble. We can be proud, insolent, overbearing, disdainful, presumptuous, boastful, which God opposes, frustrates, and defeats. Or we can, give, or we can position ourselves where God gives grace, favor, and blessing to the humble. Verse number 6 says this. Therefore, in other words, in light of all of these things... Humble yourselves. In other words, God is saying, let me help you make this choice because I want to bless you, because I want my favor to be upon you, because I want my grace to be upon you. Humble yourselves, demote, lower yourselves in your own estimation under the mighty hand of God that in due time he may exalt you. Touch your neighbor and tell him, due time always comes. Due time always comes. That in due time, he may exalt you. It might not feel like that that exaltation is ever going to come. It might not feel like that that promotion is ever going to come. It might not feel like that that healing is ever going to come. It might not feel like that that blessing or that favor is ever going to come. Well, I promise you it'll come because due time always comes. There'll be a payday someday if we endure. Hallelujah. 
And then the Bible says in verse number 7, casting the whole of your care, all of your anxieties, all of your worries, all of your concerns, once and for all on Him, for He cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. Verse number 8, be well balanced, temperate, sober of mind, be vigilant and cautious at all times. For that enemy of yours, the devil, roams around like a lion, roaring in fierce hunger, seeking someone to seize upon and devour. Withstand him. Be firm in faith. Be firm in faith. Come on, some of you ladies, look at a lady around you and say, Man up. I mean, I mean, I mean, be firm in faith. Hallelujah. Come on, you might be a lady, but you're still a son of God. Hallelujah. Be firm in faith. Against his onset, be rooted, established, strong, immovable, and determined, knowing that the same identical sufferings are appointed appointed to your brotherhood, the whole body of Christians, throughout the entire world. Now, that's 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 through 9. Now, the Bible says that God would raise us up here, didn't it? The Bible said God would raise us up. Now, I want to just kind of divert, and I want you to keep this scripture in mind, but I just want to kind of divert and talk a little bit about glory. I'm going to be doing a series on glory on Wednesday nights in about three more weeks. I'm going to start it in about three more weeks. But I want to talk about glory for just a few moments. When we talk about the glory of God, what are we talking about? The word glory comes from the Hebrew word kavod or kabod, one of those words, and it means heaviness. Heaviness. The glory of God is connected to the goodness of God. And that only happens in the presence of God. Where there's splendor. And the only reason there is splendor is because of the presence of a king. Woo! So what are you saying, Pastor? I'm trying to say that the Bible says that we are called to glory. That means we are called to heavy goodness. But not just to do heavy goodness. We are called to live in the atmosphere of God's goodness because the glory of God is the ambience of God or the atmosphere of God. And when the Bible says here that God will raise you up, what it's saying is, if you'll let me, I'll set the atmosphere atmosphere in your life to the point where my glory is so heavy that sickness cannot remain, that disease cannot remain, that poverty cannot remain, that anxiety and frustration and depression cannot remain remain because you are marked for glory. Now, (laughs) I got to be careful here because I'm going to preach myself out this morning. I won't have nothing left for tonight. (laughs) Hallelujah. And there'll be a whole lot more of them there tonight than there are of you. And they're all Haitian. They're going to preach me till I drop. (laughs) Hallelujah. What are you saying? I'm saying that God will set the atmosphere in your life where he will raise you up above the curse. (laughs) He'll raise you up above the curse. 
And when He raises you up above the curse, then it's goodbye anxiety. It's goodbye sickness. It's goodbye poverty. It's goodbye all of those things. And when you look around for the markings of that glory, you see resplendent splendor. And when you see that splendor, you start looking around because you know that you are in the physical manifested presence of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And then you know that you are living in the place where God has called you because He's raised you up to sit you in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Are you hearing me? You have been called to sit in heavenly places with Christ Jesus far above all principalities and powers and mights and dominions and names that are named and every name that names itself against Christ. Woo, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Manifestation requires faith activation. Manifestation requires faith activation. And then he goes on and he says this. My goodness, I feel Pentecost. The Bible says worship, that's all right because that's what I am. The Bible said to cast our whole care upon him. So when I realize who I am, when, when we realize who we are, when we realize what our identity is, when we realize that, that we have an identity that not only connects us but makes us sons of God, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, then we don't have any problem casting things on the Lord. Cast all of your care upon him. I can cast my anxiety upon him because if I cast my anxiety upon him, his resplendent glory will disintegrate it and it no longer will be able to bother me anymore. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can do that. You can do that. You can cast that. And then the Bible goes on and it says to withstand Satan and be firm in the faith. How do I withstand him? By being firm in the faith. When the devil tries to mess with you and he tries to tell you that you're not who God says you are and he tries to tell you that you can't have what God's word says you can, you need to just look at that devil and you say, excuse me, did I ask you to speak? The golden scepter has not been held out to you. Do you not realize that you are in the presence of royalty? Son of God, heir of God, join heir with Jesus Christ. Everything that heaven has to offer is at your disposal because of your identity with Jesus Christ. The devil does not have the right to speak into your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And it's your job and it's my job to remind him of that every time he opens that hole under his nose. Stand firm. Don't let circumstances sway you. Don't let past experiences sway you. Well, I can't believe that because that happened to me back then. You weren't advanced in faith back then like you are now. It probably would not happen to you now because it could not happen to you now. Because of what you know. Because of who you are. My people, the word of God says, are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. It's not what you know that sets you free. It's the practical application of what you know that sets you free. 
Now you can know the Word of God and you can quote it from front to back and upwards and downwards and all around. You can do all of that kind of thing. But until you start taking that same Word and applying it to your circumstances and applying it to your life and applying it, until you start doing that, then you can't live in freedom. You can't live in favor. And you can't live in abundant blessing. And you can't live in health and wholeness and healing until you got to start learning how to stand firm. The Bible tells us right here, withstand the enemy. Stand firm against him. Be rooted, be established, be strong, be immovable and determined. Stand fast therefore in the liberty where Christ has made you free. Be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Psalms 55 and verse 22 says this. Cast your burden on the Lord in the Amplified. And then in parentheses it says, Release the weight of it and He'll sustain you. So not only do you cast your burden on Him, you release it to Him. You release the weight of Lord, I'm not carrying this anymore. Devil, do you hear me? I'm not carrying this anymore. Hallelujah. So you cast your burden upon the Lord. And then the Bible says there, You release the weight of it and God will sustain you and then he will never allow the consistently righteous to be be moved or made to slip, fall, or fail. Consistent effort doesn't always bring immediate results, but consistent effort always brings success. I said consistent effort doesn't always bring immediate results, but consistent effort always brings success. Unless you are Superman... You have to hit a nail more than once to get it driven into the board. So many people hit the nail one time and say, well, that didn't work, and they walk away. But if you'll hit that nail five or six more times, it will attach and secure to what you're trying to nail that board to, and someone will have the time of their life trying to get it off that that board that it got attached to. And that's the way it is with your faith. Some people say, well, I tried it for a week and it didn't work for me. You hit the nail one time. You hit the nail one time. If you want manifestation to stick, you're going to have to keep hitting that nail. How do I hit that nail? With the confessions of your mouth. Your tool that God has given you is the words of your mouth. With the confession of your mouth. So now we continue on here. So if we, if we realize that manifestation requires faith activation, then uh, we need to understand faith, don't we? And I'm just going to give you a real, real, real quick overview of the understanding of faith. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 gives us the definition of faith. The Bible says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Now that word now faith could just as easily have been translated faith is now or the God kind of faith. Now faith or faith now is. Faith always operates in the present. Faith is not a past thing. Faith is not a future thing. Faith is always a present thing. And faith always operates in the present. Tomorrow faith will still be operating in the present. Yesterday faith operated in the present. Today faith operates in the present. Faith is now. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Three ingredients to faith. Substance. Hope and evidence. Substance, hope, and evidence. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hope is the blueprint of what you're believing God for. It's the blueprint. 
You get on the internet, you say, I need to buy myself a truck. You get on the internet and you start shopping. You might get a new one, you might go to Craigslist and get an old one. But you're shopping around. You're getting the truck that you want. You're looking and you're saying, man, that's a beautiful picture. I bet that's a gorgeous truck. Especially if you're on Craigslist. <laughs> and you get in your old jalopy. How many remember those? Or Pinto. How many remember those? Some, some of y'all remember those. Or Hugo. Oh, Jesus. Turkish cars. You get in that and you go look at that truck and you're like, is this the truck that they put pictures of on Greg's list? Because it sure don't look nothing like those pictures now. <laughs> right? Okay. So you get in your little Pinto, Acer, whatever, and you come back home and you keep shopping and you keep shopping and you keep shopping. Can I tell you that God will never disappoint you. When you start putting your faith on something and you start believing God and you start trusting God and you start pulling that into the here and the now because see we receive it in the spirit before we receive it and the Bible talks about now that we have to pray according to the will of God and those are the prayers that work the ones that are according to the will of God but there are some things that are God's will I am convinced there are some things that are God's will that we never get manifested into our life because we never work our faith in a way to pull it into the here and now But when you start trusting God and you start believing God and He starts moving in your heart and in your life, then that substance and that hope and that evidence comes together to create manifestation. Now, <laughs> the practical application of faith goes like this. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 17. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. How does faith come? By the hearing of the word of God. Now, if you'll go to Romans chapter 10 and verse numbers, uh, the verses around verse number 17, you'll find out that the Bible says, How shall they hear except there's a preacher, and how shall they preach except it be sent? Now, listen, when we talk about faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God, that's not just talking about the word of God being read, read into your ear, that's talking about you receiving the teaching of the word of God through the mouth of one of God's servants. Because there's an anointing for the moment that comes upon that servant that attaches to the Word of God and all of that works together to be deposited inside of your spirit. And when it is deposited inside of your spirit at that moment when there is resplendent glory in the, world, in, in the room, there, there, there is, oh, hallelujah, I can't hardly talk now. I'm about to speak in tongues. There is, there is an explosion that takes place inside of you because the Logos Word of God became the Rhema Word of God and came into a son of God and an heir of God and a joint heir of Jesus Christ and it caused your spirit to come alive and when that happens back up devil Woo. hallelujah faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God when someone is teaching and someone is preaching under the unction of the Holy Spirit Faith is activated by the confession of your mouth. Faith works by love is what the Word of God says. And faith is formed by Romans chapter 3, the laws of faith. Luke chapter 8, verses 
verses 50 through 55. Let's go there. I'm gonna, I want to show you a place where Jesus practiced the practical application of faith. James chapter 8, verses 50 through 55. I'm sorry, Luke chapter 8. What can I say? What did I say? Yeah. Luke chapter 8. It's a story of Jesus and this little girl. Luke chapter 8, verses 50 through 55. Verse 49, while he was still speaking, a man from the house of the, of the director of the synagogue came and said to Jairus, Your daughter is dead. Don't weary and trouble Jesus any further. Jesus, hearing this, answered him, Don't be seized with alarm or struck with fear. Simply believe in me as able to do this, and she shall be made whole. See, that's what the devil does. He tries to seize us with alarm, and he tries to strike us with fear. And that's what he says. Don't do that. And when Jesus came to the house, he permitted no one to enter with him except Peter and James and John and the girl's father and mother. How come? Because he was getting the doubt and the unbelief and the spectators and all of them out of the way because it was time for manifested glory. Hallelujah. And all were weeping for and bewailing her. And Jesus just shut the door on them. But he said, don't weep for she's not dead but sleeping. Shut the door. They started turning from weeping to laughing. And they laughed him to scorn knowing full well that she was dead. Jesus grasping her hand called and said, child, get up, arise from the sleep of death. And her spirit returned and she arose immediately and he directed that she should be given something to eat and her parents were amazed but he charged them to tell no one that this had occurred. There's so many things that happened here. This is an entire message on its, in itself. First of all, Jesus was on his way. Someone came and said, I know if you'll come and pray for her that she can be made whole. So faith was active. Faith was active in, into the ears of the right person, which was Jesus. Jesus shows up, and he's got the doubters and the naysayers all sitting over there. Well, bless God, I think miracles went out with the apostles. Well, the apostles hadn't come yet, but you know what I'm saying. I'm bringing it into modern day. Miracles went out with the apostles. I think all that tongue talking ain't nothing but a bunch of devil stuff. I just don't believe it for today. I mean, then you don't believe your Bible. Then you don't believe your Bible. The book of Acts is the only book in the New Testament that doesn't even have an ending. And the reason is because we are still living in the days of the book of Acts. Amen. Hallelujah. And so he just said, you know what? The, what he did was he walked up there and they were weeping and bewailing and all of these kinds of things and, and all of that. And Jesus just confronted the devil and he said, she's not dead. And they started laughing. And that's exactly what the devil will do. He'll try to strike fear into you. He'll try to intimidate you. He'll try to tell you, well, we know she's dead. Bless God, we checked her pulse. She's gone, baby. Gone, gone, gone. Jesus said, get out of the room. Just get on out of the room. The only people that I want in here is Peter, James, and John, and the mother and the father. So I want three people that have seen me heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, cause the blind to see, the lame to walk, the deaf to hear, the dumb to talk, because I know their faith is at the level where they know when we speak the word, she's coming up in power and great glory. And so we put the rest of them out of the room. And then the mama and the daddy are, are, are there. And that's because they deserved to be there. So they were there. Jesus looks at her and says, rise up and walk. 
And she got up. And Jesus didn't present her saying, na 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 boo boo <laughs> You know what he did? He said, feed her. Let's go get something to eat. I'm busy about my father's business. I'm out of here. You know what that tells me? That tells me that miracles were commonplace in the life of Jesus. The supernatural should become natural to the spirit-filled children of God. Hallelujah. Listen. Miracles ought to happen when you show up in the room. Seriously. That's how the New Testament church lived. That's how they operated. The ambience of God, the presence of God that is in your life ought to change the atmosphere of any room that you walk in. All right. I'm bringing this in for a landing. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4, last scripture. I guess you guys will have to get some music ready because we don't... Rob's not here today, so. Here's what the Bible says. Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world. Shout it with me. Even our faith. Whose faith? Come on, say my faith. My faith. Your faith causes you to overcome. Your faith causes you to rise above. Your faith lifts you up above the shadows and plants your feet on higher ground. Remember that song from the past. Your faith will raise you up. Somebody else say, faith, you raise me up so I can. Pastor, why do you do things like that? So you won't forget. Your faith will raise you up. And let me make this very bold statement. Let's all stand and let me make this very bold statement. Come on. There is nothing in the world that your faith accurately operated won't overcome. There is nothing in the world that your faith accurately operated cannot overcome hallelujah manifestation requires faith activation if you want God to move on your behalf and you want God to move in your life you're going to have to operate your faith whatever you get from this point on you'll get by faith the Lord spoke to me many, many years ago when I was just a young man starting out in the ministry. I'm 48 and a half years old now. And I preached my first message 40 years ago when I was 8 years old. I've been doing this a lot. When I was about 17 or 18 years old, I was fasting and praying, spending time with God, looking forward to the future excited because I was going to be Billy Graham by the time I was 25. Yeah. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, the road you walk will be different than any road that anyone else has ever walked. 
and he spoke something to me that he's confirmed over and over and over and over. He said, before it's over, I'm going to make you a general in the faith. And I'm not interested in being a denominational general. I'm talking about raising up sons and daughters and doing the work of the Lord, to do the work of the Lord. Teach people how to allow God to shine in the, in the earth today. And then the Lord said this to me. He said, and whatever you get, you will get by faith. By faith. I shared two instances of manifestation that came as the result of faith activation. I could have taken this whole entire time this morning and many more Sundays to share with you testimony after testimony after testimony after testimony of how God just brought it and brought it and brought it and brought it. In fact, I reminded my daughter yesterday or the day before, she was talking to me and she said, Dad, she said, we just been believing God for this for so long. When's it going to happen? I said, Honey, do you remember when we believed God for the very same thing about 10 years ago and God just gave it to us? She said, Oh, I forgot about that. I said, We got to get back to believing God like that. This church has got to get back to believing God. We got to get back to believing Him. Come on. I'm going to believe God for you, and I want you to believe God for me, and together we'll believe God for each other. And we'll walk by faith, and we'll talk by, and we'll just carry testimonies everywhere that we go. You know what God did? This is what He did. You know what God did? Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is what He did. And we just give God the glory and the devil none of it. Hallelujah. When you talk about, listen, when you're talking about how bad you feel and all this stuff, you know what you're doing? You're testifying for the devil. Mm -hmm. That's what you're doing. You're strengthening him and empowering him. Instead of every time you get up, oh, I just, well, I'm just being real. Well, listen, let me tell you something. There's nothing more real than the Word of God. So you just speak the Word of God. Speak it over your heart. Speak it over your life. Speak it over your family. Speak it over your circumstances. Speak it over your situations. And let God raise you up. Start living by faith. Start talking faith. Start learning faith. Start letting God lift you up out of where you are by faith. Start doing that and see what God will do for you. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, Father God, we just come to you. God, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have to gather around your word and learn it today. Lord, I thank you for this congregation of people that call Lakewood home. Lord, I pray, Lord, that their hearts would be inspired, that their spirits would be fed today, that they would feed on this throughout the week. Father, bless them. We call them the head and not the tail. Above only, not beneath. The lenders, not the borrowers. Lord, I decree and declare over them that everything that they touch will be blessed. That they have the anointing, the empowerment, the wisdom, and the self-discipline to prosper. That spirits of poverty and debt and lack and need are broken off of their life in the name of Jesus. We receive your favor. We receive healing. We receive wholeness. We receive health in Jesus' name. And everyone that agrees with me said amen. 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 Give God some praise this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us today on Working the Word. For more information, go to our website at wwwsuncoast 4 and that's the number 4, jesus.tv. You may also write us at 12637 Pony Lane, Hudson, Florida, 34669. Or you may call us at 727-856-1770. Our office hours are Monday through Wednesday, 
9 a.m. to 5 p.m. and Thursdays, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. Remember, the Word will work if you work the Word.